Here at Miss Teacher Mom, we recognize the great privilege and responsibility that we have as parents to educate our children. Beyond math and phonics, this also includes building their characters, molding their hearts, and reaching their souls. A burden too big to carry on our own. We sense the call to missional motherhood, but we could use some help from those who have more experience and wisdom than us. So we're calling upon some wonderful godly women and men to encourage and equip us as we seek to raise our kids with eternity in mind. Welcome to this week's episode of the Miss Teacher Mom podcast. This week we're finishing a three-part series with Chrissy Smith about raising lifelong readers. You'll be encouraged and equipped to use discretion and wisdom as you navigate through the myriad of books that our culture has to offer for the good of your children, the glory of God, and the fruit of your labor. Um, I do have a question based on some of the things you, you have said. You said that you really try to make sure that your kids have quality books. And you also mentioned earlier that books shape you and change you. Mm-hmm. How, I do have a question just as a Christian mom. How, how does that affect the way that you pick books? I even just listening to different books that are recommended that might have magic or different things mm-hmm. in it. Obviously we're not only going to let them read Christian books. So how mm-hmm. do you decide what books to pick that are quality and like you said knowing that they're going to shape and change and mold your children I feel like it's such a weight of responsibility as a new reader who wants Mm -hmm. to read um and like even explaining to my four-year-old the other day she wanted said she wanted to be a mermaid because of something she saw and I was like well mermaids aren't actually real and she thought it was real because she saw it so how do you yeah how do you deal with the weight of that responsibility as you know how powerful and influential books can be yeah absolutely and that's a hard question to answer objectively because it's it's also very personal right i think we all have different things that we feel comfortable letting into our home mm-hmm. and we all have things that we feel you know can accurately reflect truth and we can use them as tools and then we have things that we feel can detract from truth and can maybe set someone on a bad path. And yeah, I do believe that books are really powerful. And so we need to really guard and be intentional about what kind of influences our kids have. I found that in my home, I have been more um, tolerant, I guess, of books that are, uh, I would say we use magic in um, moderation. And I also look at the ends and the purpose of why it's being used in the book. I think that's an important thing to look at too. If, um, but I, I find that things that I have less tolerance for are things that might look attractive to my children, but really are not exemplifying the fruits of the spirit at all. Um, you know, things like, especially just, I mean, things about, you know, wanting to like popularity or um, attitudes or attitudes towards siblings or parents or um, people that are older than them, um, authority, the ways in which, you know, the the kids in the books, especially, but even adults handle conflict. I think that all things that we have to kind of weigh and look at and say, what how is this going to shape my child? Is this something that's virtuous? Is this something that's going to inspire 
goodness and virtue? Or is this something that might be, um, you know, attracting things I don't want to attract in my kids? Yeah, I feel like you're making a really important point that's worth landing on for a minute. I, regarding how is it being portrayed in the book? Is it being portrayed as attractive and something? Yeah, because I even was reading the other day excerpts from the super popular book, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, and was literally Mm -hmm. baffled and shocked at some of the content in those books. And I think a lot Mm -hmm. of parents are letting their kids reading them, read them in ignorance, like having absolutely no idea what's in the books or because Mm -hmm. they figure, well, at least they're reading. So I think it's really Mm -hmm. helpful that you're sharing that, no, it's a really weighty decision. And we should assume that books are going to impact and influence our kids. And I'm honestly helped, I think, with this idea that you're sharing, even with magic, like, this is not a question of whether you allow Harry Potter or not. It's, it was, it's more of wondering, like, I want my children to read the Bible and recognize that the Bible is real but then Mm -hmm. read these other books and enjoy them, but realize that those are not real, that that is not true. And Mm -hmm. I'm helped by what you're saying Mm -hmm. that, well, we can explain those things to them, or maybe you can share how you explain things that are real and not real. But what's more important is how it's molding your children's minds and their desires and their character. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like that is such a, I mean, that is such an exciting topic. I could go on (laughs) for, in in a million different directions because I wrestle with it myself. And I also, especially this idea of real versus not real, we know scripture is truth and we know that all truth, you know, comes from, from, from God and all goodness comes from God. And I think that when we look at story, we look at, you know, we have books that are, you know, on the bookshelf, they're labeled, you know, this is for kids this age, and this is for kids that age, and this is fiction, and this is nonfiction. And we have to realize that those labels that are attached to books really don't mean a whole lot. Um, There is, there is truth in fiction. There is, there are things to be grasped in fiction that will speak more of truth than some nonfiction books. Mm-hmm. And then there are nonfiction books with, that are we have to recognize that are always going to be written with bias mm-hmm. and perspectives, and you know people have objectives in wanting to write those books. Yep. So when we read books, we need to learn to identify and link things back to what does scripture have to say about this. And so that's why, yeah, I feel um, the Wimpy Kid books um, have not made it into our home. They will not make it into our home. I, like hate, hating to pick on a certain book, but yeah. that is a type of book I would say is not really, I, I can't see and I haven't read the whole book. So I don't even know that I can, you know, totally speak to it. I will also say my kids are only going to be kids for so long, right? I only have so many years with them. and. I want to really intentionally develop appetites in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And in this time period, especially, that's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of work to have to create an environment where I can find a way to make Shakespeare attractive when a lot of people would say it's not relevant anymore, you know, but there are virtuous things to be learned in Shakespeare. And I would say, obviously, at certain age levels, you know, and it's not for you know, other age levels, but 
I think there are things that we can glean and we can learn from things that are not written from a Christian perspective, but have, you know, have things that we should be wrestling with and, and, you know, trying to figure out and make sense of. So it's also personal to the kid, right? I think that some kids can process those things and other kids are just really quick to kind of, um, assimilate or grab onto any, any concept that someone might say and take it for their own. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a, it's a process. And I think it's important that we are reading what our kids are reading, uh, as, and that may be a great way to get mom reading too, but, um, and at least, or reading together. I think that's why there's a lot of benefit to reading together because when topics come up that are hard, you know, we can stop and talk about it and, um, or things that I didn't think would be difficult, I'll find are difficult for one of my kids. So I think that's really helpful too, is, is, you know, doing it together as much as possible. Okay. Um, And is that how you've kind of dealt with that? I think this leads really well into my next question because you do have four kids and your kids love reading. How do you keep up with it? I'm, unless all of your books are reading aloud, but do you read the books that your kids are reading ahead of time? Are you a super fast reader or do you depend on certain book lists from people that you trust and respect? What does that look like as far as approving what your kids are reading and being able to have conversations with them about it if you're not reading the book aloud as a family? Yeah, I would say that that um, it's a little bit of all of that. Um, so for, for our school curriculum, we use Ambleside Online, which is a Charlotte Mason-based curriculum. And with having, you know, three kids that are school age right now, they're doing a lot of reading on their own. Um, it, and for my, younger, for my youngers, I've, I've pre-read all their books. And I made the mistake of not pre-reading some of my oldest kids' books for that year. And he read a book that really kind of shook him. And, you know, there was some content in there that was, that was a bit mature. And I had wished I, I, I got ahead of it first and I had read it first or we read it together. So I think when you are reading, it, it's especially, you know, with your older's, um, maybe if you have a book you're reading with your older kid, you can go through it together if there's going to be some things that might be hard to process. Um, things, you know, maybe there are, there are difficulties or truths that, you know, are good to talk about. And maybe they're good to approach gently, like in a story form, but they're still heavy. And I think that it's good to kind of make sure that those especially are ones that we do together. For other books, you know, I do kind of also rely on, I have some moms that I know, you know, and obviously everyone has a bit of a different, um, you know, parameters and things they're comfortable with. But I think, you know, after a while you start to kind of know, I've got some real soul sister friend that I know I can, I can, if if she says to me, this is an amazing book, it's, it's awesome. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll probably go ahead and, and just take her word on that. And um, because I don't read all the things my kids read, I also kind of can trust certain authors. If there are certain authors I feel more comfortable with than others. Um, but as far as, um, I think there's also, there are book lists that I love for kids. Two of them are in books, Honey for a Child's Heart by Gladys Hunt. 
Yeah. And Books Children Love by Elizabeth Laraway, Laraway Wilson. Those two books tend to have a lot of gems in them and are, are really good. And there are ways you can go online and look up content that you might find. I think Plugged In has uh, .com has, you can, you know, type in books and you can get like a parent review on that. So I've done that as well. So that's, that's helpful. But there are, I would say modern books are tend to be the books that I run into more trouble than older books. I find that older books don't have, don't rush to have as much mature content in them or maybe attitudes or things that I don't want you know, talked about. If it's a modern book and someone recommends it, I'm probably going to leave through it first. Because that's, that's, the moral compass of the modern day is so off. Compared it is. It is. Yeah. So that's, it's just the unfortunate truth. So we have to be a bit more on it with that. But if I can find a series that I love or an author that I love, you know, then I'll, I'll kind of, you know, let them go to town on that. And, you know, my kids all have different connections with different authors. So I think that, you know, those are, those are good ways to, to kind of to stay on top of it. And things will fall through the cracks because we are human and we have, you know, we're not perfect. And, but in general, I feel like we've been able to really make sure that, you know, needs are met and things are talked about. And, you know, I feel good about what my kids are reading and, and how they're loving and connecting with the books that they're reading. Yeah, that's helpful. I'm going to buy those two books. Honey for a Child's Heart has been brought to my attention a couple of times already, but I'm thankful to hear about mm -hmm. the second book that you mentioned. So I'll definitely be looking yeah. at that. Yeah, as we close, I'd, I'd just like to quickly ask if you have any last words of encouragement for moms seeking to raise our kids with eternity in mind. Yeah, um, absolutely. I think that, you know, I mean, as we talked about just knowing the power that books can have to shape us. Um, we are very influenced by story and it's a good thing and a scary thing. And I feel like it does. We do need to really just realize our role as, you know, gatekeeper or, you know, we're, we're, we're tending their hearts and we need to make sure that we are, we are, are giving them appropriate an appropriate diet of books you know, that meet their needs, that glorify God, that will not cause conflict with truths that we're trying to instill, you know, when we read the word to them. But also knowing that, I think trusting the process as well can be something that moms, like me, myself too, need a lot of help uh, being reminded of. I think that sometimes, you know, I'll be reading these books with these noble knights or these, you know, hardworking farmer children. And, you know, my kids will complain about chores or gripe about this, or they'll treat their sibling in a, in a really, you know, um, mean way. And I'll just think to myself, you know, you're reading all these amazing books. You're, you're getting all these, like all these lessons on virtue and character and, and these people that are so noble, you know, what, what's happening. But, you know, that, is just the the work of of seeds being planted and slowly growing over time um that 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 change of heart and appetite and character building it just takes time mm -hmm. and intention and we have to remember that we are just always planting seeds and we are creating opportunities and that is a joy and that is our work and it is god's work to bring the fruit and the outcome. And we can trust him with that. So that's been encouraging for me I, um, as, we're, as we're kind of in that process, the, the younger to middle years and 
and seeing the fruit just start to kind of come through after years of investment. And it's been really, really awesome to watch. That is such an encouraging way to end this episode. Thank you so much for your time, Chrissy. Yeah, you're welcome. It was great to talk. Ladies, I hope that this three-part series about raising lifelong readers has been encouraging and helpful for you. Please join me next week on the Miss Teacher Mom podcast, where we'll talk to Mrs. Mary Moeller, the wife of Dr. Al Moeller, president of Southern Seminary. We'll be chatting about cultivating a heart of gratitude in our children. And I promise you, it's about much more than the Thanksgiving holidays. I hope that today's episode has encouraged and equipped you to raise your children with eternity in mind. And remember, we are not doing this alone. As Christians, God wills us to will and to work for His good pleasure. We are trusting in the finished work of Christ, and we're empowered by His Holy Spirit. If this episode has been helpful to you, could you please write a review for other moms and share this podcast with your friends? For more information and the show notes, check out MissTeacherMom.com. And please join us next week for the Miss Teacher Mom podcast.